Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. We're in this series, In All Things, In All Things. And this morning, I want to talk about in this series, what are you pursuing? What are you pursuing? Now, before this, our, our key verses that we took from was 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 and 18. It says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Who belong, for you who belong to Christ Jesus. His will is that whatever we go through, no matter what we face, we can still give Him praise. Amen? We can still give Him the glory. So this morning, though, we're going to talk about what are you pursuing? And we think about, let me, we're going to go over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. But before we go there, let me give you a little bit of background on what's going on with Timothy. Timothy is actually pastoring a church in, in Ephesus, one of the largest churches at the, at the known time. But Nero has become uh, the emperor, and all of a sudden persecution has broken out against the church. And as persecution has broken out against the church, people begin to desert and, run, and go back into Judaism to fall away, to get away from Christianity, because they didn't want, some of them didn't want to die for their faith. Many of them did. But here's the thing. During that time, there was people... That, how many others? The enemy will always take advantage of a bad situation. There's false teachers going around and using their so-called godliness to get money out of people and extort people from the money. And that was going on. And you see that in uh, verses uh, 1 through 5. The first few verses talks about people who are in slavery, how they're supposed to serve their masters. And even if their master is a believer, they should even be even greater servants at that point in time. But then he gets into the false teachers. So I want to talk about this morning as we, as we look at this, as we... Uh, the, a little bit of a, pursue competent or, or being being contentment pursue contentment how many of you are content in your life today anybody you content with your life today look, look what he says in first timothy chapter 6 verse 6 he says yet true godliness with contentment is great wealth after all we brought nothing with us when we came into this world verse uh look at verse, the latter part of verse 7 this world and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So, if you have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Now, look at what he says here. There's a couple of key words I want you to look at. He says, true godliness with contentment. Godliness here means to be devout or denotes the devotion which characterizes, characterized by Godward attitude. We're supposed to, how many of we're supposed to live a life of having a Godward attitude? Amen? Our attitude should be wrapped around Christ and who Christ is. And then he uses the word be content uh, with contentment. He says, with godliness, with contentment. The contentment means the state of being content with one's circumstance or lot in life. Self-content or contentment with what one has. How many of God supplies everything we need? Amen? And if we believe God supplies everything we need and He's our God, we should be able to live in contentment with where He has us at. Not striving to get what somebody else has. We're supposed to be pursuing the contentment in this life. So he, said, he uses the word contentment there. But at the end of verse 8, he uses the word content. He says, matter of fact, he says in verse 8, he says, So if you have enough food and clothing, let us be content. And that's a different, there's a different meaning to that word. Be content means to be sufficient or adequate. For a particular purpose, with the implication of leading to satisfaction, that's where God wants us to live. That we can we can live in a place of peace, and we can pursue Him and, and be confident and be uh, confident, uh, confident in what we have and what God has given to us. But He says we are to be content 
with our situation where God has us. And the whole thing is, he's, Peter, uh, Timothy is teaching, or Paul is actually talking to T- uh, Timothy about how he needs to instruct the people to live their life and not worry about these other people who are teaching false doctrine. Now look what he says. We're to run from greed. We're to run from those things that try to keep us from a place of being content in our life with God. Look at this, verse 9. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Now look as it goes on to verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the truth, true faith, and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Look at the scripture, church, real quick. He says, in this first part, he says, look at the, he says, people who long to be rich fall into a trap by, and are trapped by many foolish, harmful things. The word trap there, I, I thought it was interesting because it, it has this idea of this whole thing, that which brings, brings or is a means of sudden danger. It doesn't mean danger. This is, there, how many know the enemy has a trap set for you? He would love to trap you, trip you up and get you in his trap. And here's the thing. He's using this whole idea of these people that are longing to get rich and trying to distort the church. And he's saying, listen, these things will, will trap you. I mean, sudden trap. Now, the idea, it could be translated like this verse of Scripture. Therefore, the danger of many foolish and harmful desires have trapped them. Or the, or the danger of being trapped by many foolish desires. He said, no, that don't get don't get tripped up. Don't let the enemy trap you in these in this whole thing about trying to get rich quick and trying to this whole love of money. He says, be content with where God has had has you. Then he says the other word in this scripture, he says that pierce themselves through with many sorrows. The word sorrow there. I thought this is amazing. As I looked at the definition of the word, it says a state of severe emotional anxiety. And distress, a great distress. Intense anxiety. I know people like that because they're never satisfied with what God has given them and what they have. They're always wanting to get more, and their in their life, and their life is all it's just up and down. It's messed up, and they have all the anxiety in their life. How many know greed leads to destruction? Greed leads to destruction, and greed leads to grief in our life. We're we're supposed to be pursuing contentment with God and and with godliness with contentment. He said is great gain. Then church, the next thing that Paul was trying to encourage Timothy is to pursue the kingdom. We should be pursuing the kingdom, not the things of this world. Amen. Amen. Church, pursuing the kingdom. Now look what he says in verse eleven. He said, "But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life." Along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Think about what he said. He said, pursue righteousness. The word pursue there means to, to do something with intense effort and define purpose or goal. How many of you have a purpose in life? And you're supposed to, and God's given us that purpose. And we're supposed to run after that, not run after the things the world wants to pull us away with. He says that this is a, that we're to go with a definite purpose and goal. He says you are to pursue righteousness. Righteousness, doing what is, is God requires. In other words, doing it the way God would do it. Amen? We're, that's what righteousness means, the, the way God would do these things. And he goes on, look at this, verse 12. So he says, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight for, of faith for the true faith. Hold tight to eternal life 
of, of which God has called you, which you have declared so before many witnesses. He says, fight the good fight. Now, this whole thing, the, 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 there's, the word fight is used twice here, but it has two different meanings. Each one of them has a different meaning. The first fight means to strive to do something with great intensity and effort, to make every effort to do or to do everything possible to strain oneself. In other words, he's, he's saying, we're in a battle. You're in a battle. He says, you've got to stand your ground. You've got to fight. You've got to stand there. And then he says, the next thing he talks about, the word, next fight, he says, fight the good fight. He says, engaged in intense struggle involving physical and non-physical forces against strong op opposition to struggle or to fight. I mean, there, there, there's two different meanings there. One is that you, you, you're in a fight, be ready for it. The other one is, use everything you got. Amen? You're in a, you're in a, a struggle. And he says, you're fighting what? For the true faith. Remember, false teachers were not teaching a true faith. They were using and extorting people to get money instead of promoting the kingdom of God. And so he said, you're fighting for the truth faith. And that, that, the whole thing about the truth faith is to believe to the extreme of complete trust and reliance. To believe in and to have confidence, to have faith in trust in God. He said, this is the true faith. See, seek, we're, to, we're to seek godliness. We're to pursue with vigor to, to, to fight the good fight. Amen? Now look what he says when we're talking about pursuing the kingdom, okay? He, look at verse, I, I want you to jump over Matthew chapter 6, 31. Look what it says here. We're going to read 31 through, uh, through 33. But he says, so don't worry about these things, says, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? These things, the, uh, the dominion, uh, the, these things uh, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. These are, he said, don't worry about the, the cares of life, the things that you need. God says, I will supply them. Amen? Now look at what he says. He, the worry here means to, to, to not have anxiety. Don't be concerned over it. Don't be apprehensive about it. God's going to take care of it. He says, so don't worry. And what do we do? We worry, right? Now look what he says in verse 32, the latter part of verse 32. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. See, you can find contentment, you can find peace when you just rest in God. When you quit trying to make it happen and let God be in control of our lives. So many of us want to run at our own lives. And God's saying, I want you to submit to me. I want you to seek first the kingdom. Of God and His righteousness. What does that mean? His God's right standing in it. How would God do this? How would Jesus do this? Do we have that same attitude? Are we pursuing the kingdom? And going back to Second First Timothy, you find out that Paul then talks to Timothy about being faithful. And I'll talk about pursuing faithfulness. How many of God wants us to be faithful in what He's called us to do? How many know, I really believe if you're, if you're running after the things of this world, you can't be faithful to God. Matter of fact, it, it says you can't, you can't have love God and money. You'll love one or hate the other. Now look what he goes, pursuing faithfulness. He says, he says to Timothy, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. How many found money to be very unreliable? It, how many, it doesn't matter how much money you have. If you don't have peace in your heart, you're miserable. 
If you're not content with who, where you're at and what God has for you, you're always going to be striving for more and more and more and more. And you can never live in peace with God. He said, teach those who are rich to be proud, not to be proud, but to trust, uh, not to trust in their money, which is unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need to, for our enjoyment. Look at that, church, what he says. Their trust should be in God who richly gives all we need for our enjoyment. See, God doesn't want you just to... He gives, he gives us abundance so we can give and help others, but He says also you can enjoy life. Amen? So he says, teach them. He says, in other words, command them. He wasn't just saying to them, just teach this little lesson. He said, announce this, that they, they must do this. It's almost like He was giving them a command. And He says, tells them not to be proud or to have arrogant or haughty attitudes, but He says, their, their trust and their confidence should be in God. And so look at verse 18. He says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. I wish to God we were always like that, wouldn't you? Look, now, look, look what he says here. He says, he tells them in this portion of Scripture, he says, tells them to use their money to do good. And then he talks about that they should be rich in good works. That, that good there, there's two different words that meanings to both of those words. The first good he's talking about, he says, to engage in doing what is good, to do good, to perform good deeds or good works. Okay, then he says, the, the second word he says, good, or he says, benefit of good works, he uses the term pertaining to a positive moral quality with the implication of being favorable, favorably valued, good, fine, or praiseworthy. He says, use your, use your money to touch other people's life, but let your works be praiseworthy to God. Let the way you live bring honor to God. Let the way you live uh, your life in contentment with Him be, be a sign to others as you do your good works. How many of you were called to do good works? He said we were created to do good works. That's what the Word of God teaches. And then Timothy, Paul says, by doing this, listen to what he says, by doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Church, the things that we have been blessed with, the reason we're so, I'm so passionate about missions, we're touching people's lives. We're doing something that makes a difference. And you know, the church, one day, we don't know what that reward's going to look like, but we're laying up the treasures for, uh, for a good foundation. Amen? That's what it's all about. And he's saying that's what people should be, these people in this scripture should be doing with their money is taking it and using it for the kingdom of God and, and doing good works. Now look what he says. There's a scripture in Proverbs 28 or 28, 20 says this. A tr the trustworthy person will get, get a rich reward, but a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble. Are you with me? So here's the, th here's the next point I, as we're talking about being content. Can you be trusted? Can you be trusted with the things of God? To handle the things of God in such a perfect way, in, in the way He wants you to handle them? Now look at this. I asked you, can you be trusted? Luke 16.10 says this. If you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. We sometimes have to start out in the small things to prove that we're faithful. Amen? 
we can be trusted. See, the word, the faithfulness he's pertaining to being trusted is a faithful, trustworthy, dependent, and reliable person. And he said, he says, if you can be trusted with the little things, you can be trusted with the large things. He said, he said, don't be dishonest about it. Now look at verses 11 and 12 of Luke 16. And if you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? You know, through the years of my life, I've, there's times I've had to go through tests to say, am I, am I faithful with the small things? I remember when I pastored in Lutz many years ago, uh, I was pastoring in Lutz, Florida, I took over this small little church. And I thought I'd had success in youth ministry, and I thought, man, we're going to blow this church out in no time. We're going to be running a couple hundred people. And what happened? About after a year or so, two years ago, we're, we're still running about 25, 30 people. And I'm, I'm, I'm comparing myself with everybody else and saying, man, why, why can't our church grow? Why is this not happening? And God just said, spoke to my heart one day and says, are you being faithful with what I've given you? And I had to examine my heart. And I said, I, I got, went to prayer and I said, God, I'm trying to be as faithful as I can. And I had to be entrusted. Could I handle that before I could be given anything else? Could I handle that situation? See, trust is, we, we're, it, it, we, have to, we have to sometimes earn trust, don't we? Not, I mean, in your relationship with your spouse, you have to, if, you, if trust is broken, you have to earn it. It's not just giving back. When your kids, met, I know mine, when my kids made mistakes when they were younger and they did something I told them not to do and they violated that, I didn't trust them as much. I'd, make, I, I'd check on them, find out where they're at at that point in time. Because you know what? Trust doesn't, is not just handed over. Trust is, is valuable. And when you, when you do something to break trust, you know what it does? It, it, it causes a divide. Now, I can forgive you, but that doesn't mean I still have to trust you. Trust has to be worked on. And this is what he's saying. When you've been faithful with the small things, I can trust you with more. And I believe, honestly, church, that's why God's continuing to bless us. We've been trying to be faithful with everything God's given us here at, at Tower Hill. And we've been faithful to, to invest in our community. We've been faithful to do different things. God has just done tremendous things. And over almost 92 ministries that we support locally and around the world, we're trying to be faithful with everything God's given us that He can entrust us with more. You know, over the last number of years, our faith promises here at the church has what? Gone through the roof. Really has. This past year, we, our, our faith promise was last, last year was $250,000. We, we took in over $300,000. I think it was almost 94% of what finally was committed came in. That was, uh, there was like three hundred, I think, $83,000 committed. And we gave out almost $351,000. And to just bless and to lead more people to the Lord. It's about being a good steward of what God has given us. See, when, we, when we're faithful with these things, God can entrust us. And then we can continue to walk in contentment. Amen? As we pursue that. And then going back to Timothy and getting ready to bring this into a, a, a landing. He, told, he tells Timothy, guard yourself. Guard yourself. Look what he says in verse 20. Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godly, god, uh, godly foolish uh, discussion with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. He said, don't get hung up on that. Guard yourself. He said, make sure you guard yourself. Look at verse 20. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. 
May God's grace be with you. See, the word guard here means to hold someone in close custody, to guard closely. And that's what Paul is telling him, guard what God has entrusted to you. Don't allow the things of the world to distract you, to go after those things. But guard your heart. Guard your heart. Amen? He's, none of us, none of us want to let go and let down and let everything take its, uh, its toll in our life. We need to guard our hearts. Proverbs 4, 4.23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. Think about what what Proverbs says. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. How many know the heart, the Word of God says the heart is deceitfully above all things, deceitfully wicked above all things, and who can know it? But God says, I know your heart. But the things that God has put into your heart, you have to guard, you have to guard your heart. In church, talking about being contentment with God and walking with God. And what are you pursuing? What are you pursuing this morning? Over in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6, Paul makes a, some tremendous statements here to the church at Philippi that can go along with us today. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. In other words, trust Him. Then he says in verse 7, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you could ever understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And then he says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is true. How I many there's only one truth? That's Jesus Christ. Amen. And I, I believe what Paul says in these, ne- these next few sentences here is, is it describes only one, th- per, one thing, and that's Christ. He says, he says, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about these things. Think about that. That are excellent and praiseworthy of praise. And then he says this. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw, and saw me doing, then, then the God of peace will be with you. He says, keep on practicing what you've learned from the Word of God. Amen? And then he said, then you, go, you can walk in peace. You can live in peace. You don't have to be threatened or, or just, what am I going to do here? What am I going to do there? You can just live in that peace with God. Godliness with contentment, what, is a great wealth. Father, I thank you this morning for the opportunity just to share the word, oh God, that you laid on my heart for this week. Father, and as we just look at this, God, we just want to be faithful with everything that you've given us, oh God. Father, we don't want to be running after things of this world and being deceived by the things of this world, God. But Father, we want our heart to be set upon you. Father, we want our heart to follow hard after You, O God. Father, Your Word says, Godliness with contentment is great wealth. It's great gain. Father, You've called us to, to walk and be content with what You've given us. Father, You've called us to pursue the, the kingdom. Father, You've ca- called us to pursue faith, being faithful with what You've given to us. And far, Father, You've also, as Paul was teaching, for Timothy to guard his heart. Don't allow bitterness or unforgiveness or 
our selfish ambitions to, to creep into his heart. Father, would you help us to guard our hearts and guard the things that you've entrusted to us as believers? Father, you've given us your word, the word of God, the infallible word of God, to lead us and guide us. And Father, the word has to become just so important in our lives once again. That, Father, that we judge everything according to the Word of God. Father, we don't, we don't try to make it out to something that it's not. But, God, we trust in Your Word today. And, God, I just pray this morning, God, if there's people that have been struggling in the area of not being content with where they're at and what God has for them, I pray this morning, Father, they would come to a place that they could be at peace in their life. And God, not struggling with, about things, but Father, can walk in the undisturbed peace that You have for them. Father, and that they would be faithful with what You've entrusted to them. I ask it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, the Word says many people, because of their desires for other things and the wealth, they've gotten trapped. And Father, there's... there's danger lurking there Father when we don't follow your word I just pray God if there's any here Lord that's in this place this morning or listening online today that they've allowed the cares of this life to distract them from what God has already given to them Father I pray God you just bring them back to that place of just being at peace in you and allow your peace God to rule over their lives I ask it in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus.